Shalom. We are now going to study a Sicha from Likute Sichos, Chelek Yudbet, Volume 12, for Parshas Bahar, the second Sicha. Before we begin, you will notice something as you learn the Sicha, especially if you have less of a background in Aramaic, you'll notice that this Sicha, although this book was written in Lashon HaKodesh in Hebrew, but it's not pure Hebrew, it's not pure Lashon HaKodesh. Rather, it's blended with expressions, terms, words from Aramaic. It's, I would compare it to studying a Rashi on any given page of Gemara. You'll find many times that the Rashi is not purely Lashon HaKodesh. Rather, it's blended with expressions from the Talmud, which you become accustomed to over time. Terms, expressions, and so on. So if you were to, for example, to look in a dictionary, a good Hebrew dictionary, even an extensive Lashon HaKodesh dictionary, you may not find certain words in that dictionary, certain words from the Sicha, that is, because it's Aramaic. But that's okay. You get used to the terms. With time, you get used to the lingo. By the time we're done this Sicha, by the time we accomplish this, we will have had the answers and enjoy and appreciate the answers to the following questions. Number one, how do you how does one categorize this prohibition of ribis, of not giving interest? Is it a monetary matter or is it a prohibition? What's the difference? What difference would that make? I'll give you an example. One is not allowed to steal. Say someone steals, what happens? They have obviously transgressed. They've committed a sin. Hashem says, do not steal. But now, at this point, what, according to the Torah, do they have to do? What do they owe to the other person, besides an apology? What do they owe? They owe money, or the value of the item that they stole, or the item itself. But this becomes a monetary matter. This is an issue of money. Therefore, Let's say, for example, the victim decides to forgive it. It's forgiven. So the question is, in this case, is it, does it fall into that category of being a monetary matter? Or is it a prohibition when the Torah overrides any monetary issue that may be involved? We'll find out. Another very interesting thing. The Torah prohibits it. But I ask you the question, is it something that is inherently morally wrong? Is it a bad thing? I mean, all those banks out there, all the people that give loans with interest, are they bad people? Do we put them on the, in the same category as thieves, as bandits? I don't know. We know it's very taboo as a Jew, from one Jew to another. It's a terrible thing, and the Torah makes a big deal out of it. But really, is it like a moral, ethical, you know, debased idea to just say, look, I'm giving you money and you're going to make maybe profit on that money. What's in it for me? We'll find out. Another thing, what happens if one did give a loan and he charged interest? And now, do you make him return it? 
Do you force him to return it? How about if he comes on his own and he wants to return it? Do we accept it back? Do we say, no, it's your money, keep it. You do tshuva, it's between you and God. How does this all work? And we're gonna find out the answer to all these questions. What we're going to do is we're going to study some part inside, and part of it I'll discuss, and then we'll go and continue with some of the text inside. Let's start with Aleph. Kosuv Parsha Seidu. It says in our Parsha, this is Parsha's Bihar, chapter 25, verse 35 and 36. If your brother becomes destitute, he's in need of money, ger Whether it's a ger, a toishav means a resident, somebody who's allowed to live in Israel, he should live with you, means you have an obligation to assist him, to support him, to see to it that he has the means to get by. However, do not take from him any whatsoever. The Torah calls it neshech, it's biting, because it bites, it takes, you don't feel it in the beginning. The tarbis, do not take ribis, do not take any interest. The Chachamim explaining the Gemara, our sages explain, that which it says in the, in the verse, do not take from him any whatsoever type of interest, any whatsoever type of profit on the money that you're loaning the person that you're helping them with. Koi, this goes, this is actually a Aramaic word, rak, only exclusively, alachicha, on your brother. When you look in the verse, it mentions several people. It mentions your brother, it mentions a person living in Eretz Yisrael, who has the right to live in Eretz Yisrael, who to a certain extent you're obligated to assist and to help and to see to it that he's able to live. But when the Torah prohibits us from taking interest, that only applies to your brother. And not on the foreigner and the resident. And therefore, if you look in the brackets, and that is actually the reason why Nemar Al-Tikach Mi'itoi, quote, the words Al-Tikach Mi'itoi do not take from him. It is said in a singular form. It doesn't say do not take from them. Do not charge them any interest. It says do not take from him. It doesn't say it in the plural form. The fact that the Torah in the same verse includes the foreigner and the residents, that is exclusively for the positive matter, matter of support him, help him live with you. And in quotes, the Rebbe quotes from Rashi, you are commanded, you are obligated to see to it that he's able to live. But this does not go on the other part of the verse, the prohibition of taking interest. Because of Harambam. The Rambam writes, Ha'akum, Ha'akum is the Goy, Viger Soishav, and the Goy who is on a lesser level than Ha'akum. Ha'akum literally means somebody who worships idols, a real Goy, and the Ger Soishav, the person who is a resident in Artisrol, Lovim Mehem, you borrow from them, Umalavim Mehem, and you can loan to them, Beribis, with interest. And he says why, he concludes, Lachicha Asur, it's to your brother, meaning to a fellow Jew, that is prohibited, but to a foreigner, to anyone else, to the rest of the world, it's permitted. 
And then he continues, U mitzvahs asay, and it's a positive command, lahashich la'akum, to actually charge the goy interest. Shenemar, because it says in the Pasuk, lanochri sashich, to the nochri, to the goy, to the Gentile, you should charge interest. Mipi hashmu from tradition we've learned, passed down from generation to generation, that this is actually a positive command. That it's not only permissible, it's not only something that you're allowed, and it's arbitrary, it's up to your decision whether you want to do it or not, but it seems from the Ramam that the Torah obligates you to charge the guy. That means do not give him money for free. Do not give him an interest-free loan. Vahainu, says the Rebbe, and this basically means, sheyeshnam gimol dinim beribis. There are three Dinim, there are three laws, there are three details in the law of loaning with interest. Yisrael, for another Yid, Osir, you see the, Rebbe, the, the word Osir is emphasized in italics. Osir lahalvoy sabiribis, it's forbidden to give a Yid a loan with interest. Ger v'seishav, mutar lahalvoy sabiribis. For Ger Soishov, which no, this concept no longer exists today, it is allowed, it is permissible, it's up to you. If you choose to charge ribis, you can. But Akum, a Goy, a real Goy, a, an idol worshipper, mitzvah lakachas from the ribis. It's a mitzvah to take ribis from him. Vihine, and behold, let's analyze this. Ma lakachas ribis ma'akum, the fact that the Torah, you see in the in the last line here on the on the right column it, the word hitira is italic the fact that the torah permits and of course not only permits but that includes in certain cases obligates one to take ribis to take interest from a guy even though the rule in shulchan aruch and the rambam and the gemara is that it's forbidden to steal, to rob anyone, whether a yid or a goy. The notion that some have that you're allowed to steal from a goy is absolutely wrong. In fact, according to the Rebbe brings here in the in the um, footnotes that there's also there's according to certain opinions it actually may be a biblical prohibition to steal even from a goy. The Rebbe quotes here from the various sources, whether from Shulchan Aruch or the Rambam, that it's forbidden. And he puts it in parentheses, Midoraisa, like I mentioned, according to some opinions, it's even biblical, a biblical prohibition to cheat, to, to, to steal from anyone. And whether it's a Jew, whether it's a guy, they're all both equal. You're not allowed to steal from anyone. So from the fact that the Torah not only allows us, but like I said, in some cases actually obligates us to charge interest from a guy already can tell us that this is not an issue of stealing. In other words, the reason why you're not allowed to charge a yid interest is certainly not because it has some connection to thievery, to cheating him out of his money. Move on who? So it's understood. Kishani ribis migezel. Shani means difference. In Hebrew it would be shoneh. Shani ribis migezel varna. That ribis is different than stealing and cheating somebody. Okay, the Isa the Gemara, like the Gemara says, 
that even by Jews, שגם בישראל לא מוצינו למילה פאיסר דלקיח אסריבס מיסורי גזל ואינו. That even by a Yid, you cannot learn out the prohibition, you cannot compare the prohibition of not charging interest from the fact that you're not allowed to steal or you're not allowed to cheat another Jew. Why? Because the Gemara says, what's for these? That means what do we find? What is the unique characteristic of Gezel and Enoch stealing and cheating? Because it's something that you do without the person's knowledge. You do it against their will. You do it without them knowing it. Typically when you steal from someone or one is cheated, the person who is doing it to the victim doesn't want the victim to know about it. But in this case, or as in the words of the Gemara, in cheating somebody, he doesn't know about it. Gezel, when you go and you rob somebody, you take it against the person's will. So in both cases, it's not with the person's consent. It's not with the person's awareness or positive awareness. And the Gemara says, are you going to try to say the same? Are you going to try to compare it to ribis, to interest, which the person gives him on his own free will? In fact, in many cases, you say, please give me a loan. I'm ready to pay whatever it takes. I need the money now. I need to invest. I need to pay a bill. I need to pay my mortgage, whatever it is. So you can't compare the two. So it's obvious that Ribis is not an issue, it's not a matter of cheating the person, it's not an issue of, or because of you're stealing from him. And since Ribis is different than stealing and then cheating, because the taking, the charging of this interest, the charging of the money, is by the full consent and awareness of the borrower. Lochain osi shapir. Therefore, osi means it comes out. Shapir means good. Osi shapir. It comes out very well. Shelei osr hatoyda lakachas ribis that the toyda did not forbid, did not prohibit to take ribis. Hakala migezel That's much different and more lenient and lighter than stealing and cheating. And therefore it's understood and it can begin to make sense why the Torah prohibits it only from your brother. It's an exclusive prohibition for another Yid, from one Yid to another, but not from a guy. Because if in any way it had any whatsoever smell or remnant of stealing or cheating or being unfair, then the Torah would prohibit it. Like it does, equally, the prohibition of stealing from a Yid or a Goy. Omnam, however, The fact that there is a positive command, as we quoted the Rambam earlier, to charge the Goy, to take from the Goy interest, this needs a clarification. You know, I can understand that you say, look, this is not really bad, this is not morally wrong, but you know what, for another Yid, for family, I don't want you to do it. I, I can see, you know, that that is the distinction. But to turn around and say, listen, if he's outside of the family, if it's a non-Yid, you not only are allowed to, but you have an obligation, this needs some clarification. <laughs> 
even though it's true, as we've already stated, that the loyva, the borrower, gives the money, pays the interest from his own will and his own awareness. It's true. However, the Torah gives it a very derogatory turn. The Torah calls it Neshech. It's a biting thing. There's a negative connotation in the way the Torah displays it, in the way the Torah portrays it. So how come it's allowed? Vav Samach, Vav Samach, the Rosh Bottom line, Soif Soif means at the very end, the bottom line, Yesh Bikulon, in all of them, and the Rebbe is quoting over here, the Rebbe is quoting the words of Rashi on the Gemara, that in all of them, all these three that the Gemara tried to compare, but said no, there are two separate cat. they are two separate categories, stealing and cheating, versus, versus charging interest, but the Gemara, Rashi just say, he has an interesting expression, Bikulam in all of them, there is a chesroin momoin shemechaseres chaveroi. You are actually making the person lose money. There's a diminishing of that person's fund. In order for you to receive the interest, that person has to be out a certain percentage of money. That's where they have a certain commonality. So yes, ultimately, it's not like stealing because, yeah, the person knows he's giving it and the person agreed to give it. The person signed that he will give it. But at a certain sense, at a certain level, says the Rebbe, soif, soif, it, it, it still has uh, some common thread with stealing, or it seems to have, with stealing, with cheating. And if so, and therefore, what is really the reason? And the Torah actually commands us, commands us, Gives us a positive command, according to the Rambam, to charge interest to the guy. So now, Oispace, chapter 2 and chapter 3, I'm actually going to paraphrase, okay, because it's an interesting analysis of two varying opinions, and we actually will see the common thread where they both agree. And the Rebbe will bring an amazing point out of it and really shed a lot of light on this whole idea, this whole concept of interest, you know, what it's all about. There's an actual machloikis, there's a debate. What happens if the lender, after having already collected, said he collected the interest, he certainly did an Avera, he was wrong, now he decides, I want to do tshuva. I want to do tshuva. I want to be okay with God. So he comes to the borrower and he says, listen, I want you to forgive me that. You know, I want you to forgive it. Does the borrower have the power to do so? Or let's say he still has the money. And Bezden found out. And Bezden says to the Malva, come, the lender, you have to give him back that money. The Torah imposes an obligation to return those funds. It's not really yours. What happens if the borrower says, you know what, I forgive it. It's my money. I don't want it back. It's like, I, I, I consider it paid. Now, by the way, that does work if, let's say, I owe someone money. And I come to the person and say, I'd like to pay you. And he goes, no, I, I, I don't want to get paid. I can't force him to accept the money. It's his money. 
For all practical intents and purposes, he, if it was his money, he's not allowed to do it. You're not supposed to throw away a good thing, but he could have taken those dollar bills and burned them. And no one can stop him because it's his money. So the question is, could the borrower just forgive it and that's it? There's a machlokas. They get on him and they're quoted by the Rambam. They say no. They say, and they, I quote the following. All ribis is essentially one forgiving. Meaning, anytime somebody agrees to pay interest, he's essentially forgiving you money that would, should have rightfully been his, and he's foregoing the money. And yet, what does the Torah do? The Torah comes in and overrides that and says, no, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. Why? Because this is no longer a money matter. This is a prohibition. This is a matter of Isur. This is a matter that the fact that the Torah says you cannot do it. And therefore, he can forgive you from today till tomorrow. But the fact is, you owe it to God in a sense. You don't owe it to him. It's not his money. It's not a matter between you and him. It's a matter between you and God. And God says you cannot do it. And therefore, even if he is mochel, even if he forgives it and he's ready to forgo the money, you still have to pay it back. However, the Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher, he argues no. He says that true mechila, forgiving, foregoing, does not in any way help, meaning it's not capable of allowing you to pay ribis in the first place. So if the lover goes, no, it's okay, I'm, I'm fine, I don't mind, I don't mind paying him interest. No, it's not okay. The Torah says it's not okay. And the Torah says that money should stay in your pocket. You can't even give it to him, you know, from, from the back door as a gift because that would constitute ribis. However, says the Rosh, once the lender received the money already, the money becomes his, And therefore, if the person wants, the person could forgive it. Meaning, if the borrower says, no, I'm okay, I don't want the money back, he could, he can do that. And the malva, the lender, doesn't have to pay the money back. What is behind this? What is the, you know, what is the essence of this machlokas? Of this debate? The Ritva explains... When one comes to collect ribis, one is not collecting money. One is collecting, so to speak, God's debt. It's God's money, it's not your money. And therefore, no human being, even if that money originated in your pocket, in your bank account, no human being has the power to override God's debt, to wipe it away. Because this is something that the Torah imposed on you. The Torah imposes a prohibition. And the Torah says that money that went from his hand, namely from the borrower's hand to the lender's hand, Hashem says that's mine. And that has to be, the way I want it to come back to me is by you, the lender, giving it back to the borrower. However, the Rosh 
Rabbeinu Asher, his opinion is that true, it's only because of God's dictate, it's only because of Hashem that you have taken the money from him wrongfully. In other words, in, in essence, when you took the money from that person, he gave it to you willingly. It became yours. It's just that Hashem says to you, I want you to give it back. However, the characteristic of this din, of this halacha, is that Hashem says, I want you to give back the money to him that he is out. Meaning, the money that he lost, I want you to fill. I want you to fill that loss. I want you to make up that loss for him. Therefore, if the borrower turns around and says, no, I don't feel like I lost the money. I'm not missing anything. I forgive it. I'm okay with it. Then Hashem says, fine. It's okay. You don't owe him the money anymore. What do we see here? What do we see and how can we bridge together these two opinions? If you think about it, if you go a little beneath the surface, what comes out from the way the Ritva explains these two opinions, these opposing opinions, both of them agree that at some point, and that is the point of when you received, when you collected the interest, both of you, I mean, sorry, both opinions agree that you have now become the owner of that money. It became your money. It's yours, okay? However, the question is, how do we characterize the, the obligation that the Torah puts on you to return that money? How do we characterize the obligation or the extent of how the Torah views your ownership of that money? Is it something you stole from the person or is it something you took from the person in a rightful manner? It's just that the Torah added another prohibition on it which now makes it wrong. So in short, it becomes your money. If you are the lender and you took that money, you took that interest, it's yours. Let's proceed now with chapter four, Oistalit. Valpize Yesh Levire, according to this, according to this halachic analysis, according to this halachic explanation, Yesh Levire, we can clarify, we can explain, in, an, in a more esoteric way of looking at it, Prat Bidin You can actually explain a very interesting detail in this whole concept of returning money that was taken on interest. It says, Hamalva somebody who actually loaned on Ribis. If he comes to do Chuba, the person decided to change their ways. And they realized that this is wrong and they want to make amends. And to return the ribis, the rule is you do not readily take it from him. The halach is you don't take that money from him. You don't accept it. You go, no, 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 it's not necessary. It's fine. Keep it. And although that we 
do not take the money back from him. Chayav lahachzir, he, the person, is obligated to return it, to fulfill his obligation towards God. And however, Midas Chasidus. Midas Chasidus means beyond the letter of the law. A, a, a more pious manner of observing the Torah is Shaloy Likabal Bimenu, not to take it back from him. So you see, on the one hand, this guy wants to return it. Don't take it. Okay, don't take it. So he comes to his Rav, his Mashpia, who's directing him how to do Tshuva. And he says, What do I do now? No, 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 you gotta push. Try to force him to take it back. Okay, so now he follows the halacha. He's trying to force him to take it back. Midas chasidus, don't buckle in. Don't buckle. Don't cave in. Don't take it back from him. Have him keep it. I mean, if the money is bad, the money is tainted, why would I have him keep it? Why would that be considered extra piety for him to be forced to hold on to the money? He's trying to give it back. He wants to get rid of it. He feels like he did wrong. The habir bazaar. What is the beer? What is the clarification? Omru Razal. The Chachamim tell us. Hatoira Chosa al Memoinam Shal Yisrael. The Torah actually Chosa, it has compassion on, the, on, the, on, on, Jews, on Jewish people's money. The Torah has Rachmonis on Yiddish guilt. Why? And that's why you find many times that the Torah tries to prevent a loss, even a minor monetary loss, tries to circumvent it in order for a Jew not to lose out money needlessly for no reason. What's the reason? Vahatam lozer. What is the reason for this? Yeshloime could be said. Pesamachdalet, psaktin. It's an actual halacha. Kol maasecha l'shem shemayim. Everything you do should always be for the sake of heaven. It's interesting. The Rebbe says it's Psaq Halacha. This comes from Perki Yavis. The Rebbe considers it Halacha. And also there's a Pasuk that says, Bechol drochecha da'ehu. Shlomo Melech says, In all your ways you should know him. Meaning in everything you do, in every function in life, even the mundane, it should always be obvious that it's being done for a purpose with the awareness of Hashem having some purpose from it. Or me having a purpose in my relationship with Hashem. Bemela, therefore, Kivan since this is your money, since something is your money, and in this case, this becomes your money, you need to fulfill this psakdin, this halacha of serving Hashem with all you've got, with everything that belongs to you, with all your money. Uvalashin harambam. And if we were to quote the Rambam, the Rambam's expressive way, And Hilchas Deyes, the Rambam tells us, Hashkafa, how to have a proper outlook on life, the attitude that one has to have. This doesn't exactly conform to halacha, do this or do that. But the Rambam tells us that the approach a Jew has to life is, for example, in earning money. It's not just to earn money so I can be rich, so I can indulge, so I can have a good life. I earn money and I have to do the best at it so I can do what? So I can support myself, I can support my family, I can learn Torah and do mitzvahs without any worries, without any distractions. And likewise, I can give tzedakah and so on. In other words, with your money, 
you are meant to fulfill this obligation, this purpose of a yid, that in everything you do, you serve Hashem. Besignoin, Torah more in a Hasidic style, let's say the same words from a Hasidic style, a Hasidic perspective. Bemamoinam shal Yisrael, in Yiddish Gelt, Yeshnam Nitsutsin Kedoshim. There are holy sparks, there are sparks of holiness. Hashayachim Lishorish Nismasai. Not only are there sparks of holiness, but we know the sparks of holiness have a direct connection, a direct correlation, and therefore have to be elevated through one's Nishama. So the money that came to me, the money that's mine, the money that the Torah considers rightfully in my possession, now at least, that has a special connection to my neshama. And all the sparks of holiness that are in the, that money is now up to me, to my neshama. My neshama has the power, has the potential, and therefore the only one that's able to elevate those sparks of holiness. Vihine. Mikivon since Hashem made the nature in His world, in such a manner, in such an order, that what? That a person can, I mean, that you could, whether you're allowed to or not is a separate issue, but potentially there is an ability, there is a possibility to earn with, through with interest, money. by you loaning it with interest. Since Hashem created such a possibility, since Hashem made such a concept possible, and a legitimately so, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. And moreover, the Gemara gives a svara, the Gemara gives a logic for collecting ribis, that the fact is that you are actually, almost in a sense, partaking in the fact that that person could have potentially earned from that money. Who knows what the person did with the money? Think about it. You gave somebody a loan. You gave somebody money. That person could have taken that money and invested in the stock market and made a killing. That person could have invested that money to, you know, to, to enhance his business and now he's, make, he's turning a good profit. Why should I not get any part of that? In fact, the Barbanel, the Rebbe quotes him on the bottom in the, in the uh, footnote, footnote 31, he actually says that even, even after the fact, that the Torah prohibits um, the charging, the collecting of ribis, of interest. Still, it doesn't make it something that is inherently despicable. It doesn't make it something that is inherently morally, ethically wrong. In fact, he says, logically, I'm talking about now according to human logic, according to common sense, it's a rational thing. You gave somebody money. That person could be doing anything with that money, can be earning a lot of money because of your money. Why should you not get part of that? Why should you not get a piece of that pie? You didn't do anything wrong. And you're not charging him against his will. He has a choice. He doesn't want to take it. He doesn't want to pay that amount of interest. Don't take it. Don't take the loan. How they move on so it's understood. Since Hashem created this phenomena, that there is a, this possibility of earning money, and especially that it sits by someone else, so you have a loss, you cannot engage now with that money and do your own business, right? And the Rebbe brings an expression in Yashalmi, and the Talmud Yashalmi have an expression, you know, better $50, $50 that are making money than $200 is just sitting there. When it's sitting there by somebody else, you don't have the potential of earning anything because of it. So you should at least get something for that. How they move and so it's understood. 
שגם הניצוצי שבהריביס יש להם איזה שייכס לשורש נשמוסי. Since Hashem made this possibility, and like I explained, it's not a you know, fundamentally despicable thing, so it's understood that deep down there are sparks of holiness that do have some connection, that do have some, even a remote correlation to your soul, to you. Ulam, however, since the Torah prohibited the ribis, not common sense, not human logic, not basic moral, ethical, you know, human behavior uh, prohibits it, but the Torah made an extra prohibition. Therefore now the person is not able to elevate these sparks. He is not able to actually make good use of it. And now the order of his avoida, his way of serving Hashem with those sparks of holiness that are potentially connected to his soul, is by negating them, by pushing them away. Dechia means to push them away. Like, as, as, as would be the case in anything that's usher, any issue that we encounter, any issue that we potentially come in contact with, how, what is our way of serving Hashem with that thing? By pushing it away, by negating it, by not doing it. So likewise here. But it tells you that there's some inherent connection between him and that, because he had the money, he was loaning the money, he had the ability to take the interest. The interest is kind of there in the air, and the question is, are you going to make it materialize, or you can just leave it there in the air and let it, so to speak, evaporate and not come to your pocket. Om nom, however. After the Malva had already received, had already taken the, the, the Rebus money. The Rebbe stresses in italics, his money became part of your money, it became yours. As far as a money matter being concerned, there is absolutely no civil money matter here. There's no reason that anyone should be able to collect it from you. Ella, the only thing, only, the only thing that, the only issue that does exist here. Only because of that obligation, that prohibition the Torah imposed on you, it's imposed. It's not naturally within it. There's no money matter here. You didn't steal from the person. You didn't cheat him. You told him exactly what's going to be and he agreed and he paid it to you. So it's yours. So you have no need to give it back. And it's fully yours. The point here is when you owe somebody when there is a monetary matter between one person and another, that money may be in your possession, it may be in your grip, but it's not yours, it's the other person's maybe, or partially the other person's. In this case, it's fully yours, it became yours. The only issue here is the, the prohibition. Therefore, even though he had committed a prohibition, he had been, he had, it was over an Isser by accepting the, the ribis. However, means in any case, in, in any case where there is another way, there's another way, there's another option. That gives the ability, that makes it possible. That the person should not be obligated to return it. You need to actually make the effort. That the ribis should remain in your hands. Because the sparks of holiness that are embedded in that 
money is actually connected to that person's nishama. So that's why mitzad midas chasidus, if you're going to extract that money from him, you're going to take it back. You are now preventing him. You're now taking away a tremendous opportunity that he has to use that money and elevate it. Of course, this is already after the fact, once he has it. And this is the pnimius dikatam. This is the reason, according to chasidus, she mitzad chasidus, he shaloi likabel hachzores haribus. That that's is that's why, as we quoted before, it says that amidas chasidus beyond the letter of the law, you should not receive that money back. You should not take it back. Even though the person is here and he wants to fulfill his obligation towards heaven, he wants to be good. He wants to make amends. Still, why? Still, you don't take it back. Why? Because the nitzutzes, the sparks of holiness that's in this ribis belongs to the, to the uh, lender. And therefore, by you taking it back, by you receiving it back, you are now going to cheat him almost. You're going to take away from him this opportunity that he has to elevate it through doing good things with it. Oisei, chapter 5. Al pi kol hanal based on all the above mentioned that we spoke, yesh levayer gam hatam, we can also now clarify, we can explain the reason, shenitztavinu, the Rebbe stresses again, that we were commanded, we were instructed, to actively take interest from a goy, to charge a goy interest. Even though the same Torah prohibits us, from cheating a guy, from stealing from a guy. And we already discussed this. This is not a matter of stealing. This is not a matter of cheating. But why would the Torah obligate us to do it? Because these sparks, that's in the Dmei Aribis, in the money of the of the of the, in the in the interest money, shall hagoy haloiva of the guy that actually is borrowing from the Jew, these sparks of holiness shayochim heim lamalva, they actually belong and they have a connection to the lender, the olav levaris and itzutzos mirishus aklipo laleisem dusha, and he has the obligation and hopefully now the opportunity to elevate them to transfer them from the clutches of Klippa, of the negative powers, and bring them up to Kedusha, to holiness. And according to this we'll understand, that which some hold, the fact that the mitzvah, that to a goy, you're allowed to take neshech, you're allowed to charge interest, he there are those who suggest that it's not only that you are allowed to take, to charge, that is, ribis, to charge interest to goy in the event that he comes to for your loan, but some hold that there's actually a positive command here, you have an obligation to seek out a goy if you have the funds, to give him loans in order to earn back that interest on the loans. We can understand this. I don't know what you say. One thing is say, okay, it's allowed. It's okay. It's fine. It's not a problem. 
but I have an active, I should play an active role in this. I should go out, in other words, it's an assertive thing. It's not just saying, okay, I'm allowed to. I should go out there and, and, and set up, you know, a, 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 loan, a loan company in order that I should be able to give, in order to be able to give the loans to a guy in order for the guy to pay me ribis. According to this, we can have a, we have a clarity. We understand. Because the fact that the guy needs the yid for this loan, the fact that there are potential borrowers out there that need the money, they need to buy homes, they need to invest in businesses, whatever it is, the fact that there's a guy out there that needs the money, this proves this actually declares, so to speak. That the sparks of holiness that are in the guy's possession right now, in his money, belong to the Yid. So the fact that he's filling up a, a, uh, a loan uh, questionnaire, the fact that he's a, an application to get a loan from you, already tells you, of course, check his credit. <laughs> Don't just give him the money. But it tells you that potentially his money the money that he's supposed to pay you, that he will potentially have, that's going to come from him, actually belongs to you, belongs to your neshama, because there are sparks of holiness that need to come to you so you can do good with them, you can elevate them to Gdusha. And therefore there's a mitzvah to give him loans, in order to be able to take the charge that ribis, to collect it, in order to be able to elevate these sparks to Gdusha. So, you're able to uh, understand this sicha. Uh, it wasn't a hard sicha. Uh, I encourage you to study it over because if you follow along, you'll see it's really, it's not that hard and it actually, it's pretty enjoyable. And hopefully if you wrote down those questions or if you're mindful of those questions, you'll be able to answer all of them. Thank you.